Perhaps you have seen uh, ads for this website, Ancestry.com. For people who are interested in knowing more about their family background, you can go here and get a variety of information, uh, who your relatives uh, were and, and where they came from. And for some people, that might be fulfilling, right, to know what their family background is, to know where their family originated and, and how they came to the States. Uh, maybe it'll explain how they wound up in certain areas, living where they are. It might explain some family traditions that they have, uh, maybe even give some insight into uh, particular professions that they have interest in. But the one thing that uh, Ancestry.com does not answer is our heritage of faith. That is, it doesn't explain to us the connection that we have in the family of God. Maybe we need a different website for that, Ancestry.God. But really, we don't have to look for that either because it's all explained for us pretty clearly in the Scriptures. And so as we continue on our messages of the heritage of faith, today we want to look at the family tree of faith to see how we are connected to Jesus, how we are connected with God's will and connected to fellow believers. We can see that tree all laid out for us, that ancestry all laid out for us as we go to Paul's words to the young pastor Timothy in his second letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recall in your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. When people talk about family trees or when they go to something like Ancestry.com, what they're really interested in is the past. But I think more people are really concerned more about the present and their future. And they might reflect it with a simple question as, what is God's will for me? Now sometimes people ask that question because they want to know, you know, have an explanation of what's going on in their life at, at the present time. They want to have an idea of what's going to be coming up in the road ahead. You know, they're concerned maybe about their, their job or their finances and relationships or whatever it might be. And so it seems that really I think people are more concerned about God's will for them in the present and the future than they are in the past. Well, God does reveal his will to us, but he doesn't give us all those particulars and specifics about jobs and relationships. He does tell us, though, in very broad and certain terms about who we are and where we're going. He tells us that we are part of his family of faith. And so as he talks about the family tree of faith, the first thing he reminds us is that that tree has been planted by his will. Paul recognized that when he started his letter. He said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. As Paul looked at his life, 
he recognized how God had it all planned out for him. Paul, you know, was raised as a Jew. In fact, he considered himself to be a Jew of Jews, the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the Bible so well and all the additional laws that the Jews came up with for keeping the, the commandments. He was top-notch Jew because he had a very strong spiritual upbringing. In fact, we know that he was so zealous for the Jewish faith that he was persecuting Christians in the early part of the church because he thought Christians were blaspheming God by calling Jesus the Christ. And so he was putting them on trial, putting them in jail, even putting some to death. But then one day Jesus came into his life and knocked him down and made him blind so that he would see where the true light of life was in Jesus. And Paul was converted. Paul came to believe in Jesus as the Christ. And God then turned him from being a fierce persecutor to being a famous preacher of the gospel. Now, I'm pretty sure that, that Paul would reflect on all the things in his life and confess, as the psalmist did, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, Paul realized that God had his life all planned out and that God had a purpose for calling him and bringing him into that family of faith. Even though Paul right now is writing this letter while he's in prison, and he had been in prison many times because of his faith, he knew now that he was probably going to die as a martyr. Yet he believed that that was still part of God's will. Not that God wanted him to be persecuted and put to death for his faith, but that God would allow it, and from it there would be benefit for him. Paul also recognized that the will of, of God for him was very far-reaching. In fact, it was something that extended before he was even born, in fact, before the creation of the world. And that, that applies to all of us. When we ask, what is God's will for my life, we need to recognize when that will started. Paul explains that in Ephesians. He says, God chose us in Him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us, that is, He preplanned our life, so that we would be adopted through Jesus Christ for Himself, according to His favor and will. So if you ever wonder, what is God's will for me? Recognize that God has got your life already planned out from the very beginning, before the beginning of time, and that it was to bring you into his family of believers. Exactly how would that happen? Well, you would be purchased by Jesus. You see, by our, by our sin, by our, our nature of, of unbelief, we are outside of the family of God. But God acted in our life to bring us into that family. Now today, people are looking for uh, you know, satisfaction in life, right? They're looking for what is fulfilling in their life. And, and, and they look for it in all various ways, you know, with their profession, with uh, possessions, with activities, whatever it might be. But God wants to make it clear to us that the true life is here in Jesus Christ. 
and that's ours because we've been rescued from an empty way of life and been given a true and full life in Jesus. Peter described it for us. He said, you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers. Not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world. So God already knew how he would bring us into that family. It would be through the blood of his son, Jesus. Now, while we may go through experiences in life that make us fearful or doubtful or wondering what's going on, and and then we ask that question, what is God's will for me? Always go back to this starting point, that God's will is that you be saved. And he has purchased you through the blood of Jesus and brought you into that family. Therefore, anything else that happens in your life will only be guided by his will to save you and bring you to heaven. Nothing will knock you out of that will. And that's the certainty and assurance we have of God's will for us. But in the meantime, that is, before we reach heaven, God has more in store for us. That is, he's got more in his will. And that is that the Spirit would come and put us to work for God. Paul described it this way. He said, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God's will is that we would be put to work in his kingdom with a very specific purpose, and that is to do the work that he has set, which is to share the gospel. The Apostle Paul recognized now that that was his calling as an apostle, as an ambassador, as an announcer of the good news. And Paul did that to, no doubt, thousands of people. God also used his pen to write a a major portion of the New Testament. And from his writings, millions of people over the centuries have come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. As Paul reflected on God's will for his life, he summarized it like this. I planted the seed... Apollos, who was his co-worker, watered the seed, and God has been making it grow. And so as we talk about the heritage of faith, let's recognize how God has brought us to be a tree of faith with a purpose. What is God's will for me? Start with that very basic, broad, and most assured thing, God's will is that you would be saved. Because of that, he will be with you throughout your life and he will bless you so that you will stay in that faith. But also recognize God wants to use you to share the gospel. Now, I don't know if if Paul always knew exactly what he was supposed to be doing, exactly what every step of God's will was in his life, but I do know it, it seems that wherever he ended up, And whoever was in front of him, he preached the gospel. And Timothy, whom he called his son, his spiritual son, was one who came to a new life, a new birth, because of that message he heard. And so for you and me, let's recognize God's will is 
also there as we look around us and as Jesus encouraged his disciples, look, look at the field. Look at the field that I have planted you in. Look at that garden. You are a tree there. And those branches that reach out are all people that are connected to you. So look around and, and, and look at the field that God has planted you in. The family, whether you're, you're a spouse or a child or, or, or a parent, whether uh, you have uh, neighbors you're familiar with, co-workers, co-students, that's your field. God has planted you there now to be a tree of faith. That's God's will for you. But sometimes as, as people look at, at their life and, and, and maybe look ahead to things, they, they might have a simple statement that says, well, I need, and then they start making a list, right? And we could probably all do that. Uh, going forward in my life, I need, and then we come up with our list. Maybe it would be best, instead of saying, I need, we started to say, I have. Now, by that, I don't mean that we just look around and see all of the wonderful physical blessings we have. That's pretty obvious. But what's also obvious, but not always noted by us, are the wonderful spiritual blessings that we have. God has given us certain gifts that he uses to nurture us and keep us in that saving faith, which is his will for us. Let's take a look at what those gifts are as Paul lists them for Timothy. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That list of gifts is simply grace, mercy, and peace. You know what grace is because you have it. This is the unconditioned unearned and limitless love of God the Father for you. Despite the fact that we are all rebellious sinners living in a condemned world and very easily led astray from the will and of obedience to God, God's undeserved and unearned and limitless love has been given to us. That's what moved him to sacrifice his own son, to send Jesus into this world to live the life that we're supposed to live. Jesus came into this world and, and lived through all the temptations that we experience, yet he lived perfectly to the will of God. And now, simply by faith in him, God takes that righteousness, that perfect obedience, and gives it to us so that we can stand before God unashamed and uncondemned. than all of those sins that we've committed. God took the guilt and the punishment for them and put them on Jesus. Jesus suffered the curse, the death, eternal death, and, and, and the wrath of God for them so that you and I would never have to experience that. He rose from the dead, Announcing to us that sin had been paid for, it's gone, we will not be held accountable for it, and we will live forever like him. That's the grace of God that you and I know. That's that wonderful gift. Along with that comes his mercy, which are God's compassions, his, 
His daily compassions. He tells us that are fresh and new every morning. God has compassions that fit every need we have. There are those compassions that he holds out to us and, and welcomes us to come to him and holds us with him so that we have peace. So that the fear, the anxiety, the worries of life and, and what God may think and what he may have in store for us because of our sin are all erased because of his mercy and grace. And now we live in peace with God, knowing we are at one with him and can come with all boldness and confidence to him like a father and ask for what our needs are. Isn't that a great list of blessings? Aren't those tremendous gifts for us to have? And there's more good news. God has not left us wondering, where do I find those things? And what do I have to do to get them? He has declared them to us through the means of grace, that is, his word and the sacraments. The scriptures declare for us very clearly, very plainly, God's love for us and what his plan and will is for us. Baptism. That's how we've come into the family of God. Through that sacrament, God has indeed removed our sins and clothed us with that perfect obedience of Jesus and now calls us his children. The Lord's Supper, another means of grace. For in that Lord's Supper, we get the very body and blood of Jesus, the very payment that was made to redeem us from our sins. So we have absolute assurance, I am forgiven. I am a child of God. What valuable gifts we have and the simple means by which God gives them to us. And yet, do we use them as we should? Look at what people do. Look at what we do sometimes to try to find happier life or, or to be fulfilled or, or to feel satisfied in life. We, we run to this activity or that. We, we get these possessions. We connect ourselves with these people. We try to accomplish great things. All of that is so fleeting. It changes so quickly and, and can disappear and, and needs to be renewed again and again and again. Look what we have, though, from God. The assurance of his love that comes to us in his grace alone in word and sacrament. And so the message is pretty clear about that, isn't it? Stay connected to God's means of grace. Don't run around looking for fulfillment and satisfaction and other things. We'll all agree to that. We'll say, absolutely, that's what we need to do, Pastor. And yet, look how easily we can drift away or be pulled away from those things, from those means of grace. What is your connection like to the means of grace? Is it strong? Is it steady? Is it constant? And what about those in your family of faith? How well are they connected to those means of grace? Are they being nurtured by them? Let's not look anywhere else for life. The full life, the best life, is what God gives us in Him. And He is found in those means of grace, the Word and sacraments. God wants us to have a full life. He wants us and others to be in his family of faith. And so part of God's will for us now is that through us, 
God will work faith in others. So this tree of faith is actually a living organism. It's living in the people of God. Listen how Paul described it for Timothy. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You see how Paul laid out that family tree of faith, referring to his ancestors who passed the word on to him? And then referring to Timothy's own family. He talks about his grandmother and his mother. Now they were raised in the Jewish faith. They had faith, trust in the promises that God would send a Savior. When Paul came to their town and preached to them the fulfillment of those promises, that is that Jesus is that Savior, the Spirit moved them to put their trust in him. And then they passed that on to Timothy. From this, we can see two important roles that we have in in this family tree of faith. One is that we preserve God's word. Unfortunately, today, many churches are not preserving that word. Instead, they're feeding their people messages about self-help. In other words, if you do this and you do that in the scriptures, then you're going to have a great life. I've even heard some, church, uh, some sermons from churches where Jesus isn't even mentioned. This isn't a new thing, unfortunately, for the church. It happened to God's people in the Old Testament. It happened to them in the New Testament. And it's happened throughout church history. But it's very clear what God wants us to do. Preserve the message, the truth. How do you do that? You just teach what the Bible says. And you pass on what you have been taught and do exactly as Paul was urging Timothy and said that his own grandmother and mother had done. Pass the message on to others. It's been said that we are just one generation away from losing the gospel. Just think about that for a moment. One generation away from losing the gospel. If, if one generation becomes lax in preserving its truth, if one generation does not pass it on to the next, it's gone. Can you imagine what that would be like in one generation for, for our whole nation to lose God's word? That's kind of scary. I'm not also sure if that's realistic. <laughs> that is, that a whole nation could be wiped out in one generation, I suppose. But let me tell you what is realistic and what is even more scary. It can happen in one family. It can happen with one person. Where the truth is not kept and where the truth is not passed on. And then it's lost. God has given us a very awesome responsibility and privilege. And that is to pass on this message of grace. When we talk about the family tree of faith, we're talking about relationships. And you might think of, oh, I'm related to so-and-so by blood and -and so-and-so by this person and whatever. Can you fill in the lines with faith? How are you connected to Jesus? 
And when you look at your family tree of faith, don't just think about those in the past. This is meant to point you ahead, to look at the present, who's in your family now, and to point you ahead to the future, who will be in that family, because this tree continues to grow. But what do you have to do to pass it on? What do you have to do to nurture those new branches that will be added? Just listen to the four things that Paul did. First of all, remember. Remember those in your past. Remember those who are there with you now. And think of those who will be coming. And then thank God for them. Thank God for how they passed the message on to you. Thank God that you have been put in that tree of faith. And now you can pass it on to others. And then pray. Ask that God would give you the opportunities. Ask that God would bless what you do in your relationships to pass on that word to others. And then do it. Pass on the message. Let's not be the one generation that becomes lax in preserving or passing this on. We talk about life, wanting to have a good life and satisfying life. It's here in the gospel. We have that message. Let's pass it on. Amen.